creative journey It's easy to get lost But don't worry, you'll lift off Sometimes you just need a creative pep talk Hey, you're listening to Creative Pep Talk, a weekly podcast companion for your creative journey. I'm Annie J. Pizza, I'm a New York Times bestselling author and illustrator, and I will be your guide on this creative expedition. Let's go. The creative journey is just obstacle after obstacle. You know, we give all of this attention to these obstacles that are on our path, in front of us, stopping us from getting what we want in our creative lives. You know, the haters, the critics, the gatekeepers, the system, man, like there's so many different things that can stop us from pursuing the creative self that we want to be. But I wonder sometimes if we give too much emphasis on those outer obstacles when the biggest obstacle you face is yourself. It is an internal obstacle. How do you navigate the biggest problem that you have as a creator, which is your own psyche? You know, I look at the data around and this, you know, you can look at a bunch of different sources. I don't know how exact this is, but it feels pretty accurate to me. Um, Like 80% of people feel like they have a book within them. 15% actually start writing that book and only 30 out of a thousand, 3% finish that book. And then, you know, we don't even need to get into the fraction that get published, but The thing that really bugs me is that if you dive into the research around the benefit of doing creative work, like not publishing creative work, just doing the work, it has tremendous mental health benefits. And to know that 80% of people have stuff in them that they think needs to get out there and then just a fraction start and then a tiny fraction finish, it makes me believe that Our biggest obstacles are not on the outside of ourselves, but inside of ourselves and navigating and figuring out how do you overcome the parts of you that want to self-sabotage and stop you from doing the work is of utmost importance. And so if you feel like you are having to battle yourself and, and you're some part of you that doesn't want you to make the work keeps winning, this episode is for you. And if you stick around to the end, I'm going to give you a journal prompt that is a thought exercise called a peek behind the curtain that's going to help you navigate through these voices and figure out which one may be leading you to where you need to go next. Let's go. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. 
Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. You know, every single phase of my creative journey, I have to go through this process of figuring out which thought or voice or idea in my head should I pursue. And then if I really choose one, I have to figure out how do I silence the other voices long enough to make some progress to actually do something. And every single phase, I am kind of blown away by how difficult this is. Every time I really open a new chapter, every three, five, 10 years in my creative journey, I'm stuck again trying to get past this inner impulse to do nothing, to overanalyze, to be hypervigilant, to you know, try to make something perfect. And I have to figure out how do I get over that perfectionism? And it's really, really difficult. And I'm back in a zone like that again, as I'm trying to birth new creative projects and new creative babies. (laughs) I'm back in this place where my psyche is trying desperately to get me to do nothing. And so I've been Thinking about these ideas, they're very fresh to me, and I've had to go back and try to think about when I've been in these places before, because I've been doing this professional creative journey for something like 15 years, how did I get past this? What did I do? What were the things that helped unlock some of the important work, at least important to my own creative progress? How did I unlock that? And the first thing that I think I really needed to do was I had to identify which of these competing impulses or inner voices is the real me. Like, which voice am I going to hand over the keys to and give my power to and lose myself in? Which of these is the one that I will identify as? Is it the one that wants to play it super safe and make sure I don't get hurt? Is it the one that is saying, I'm better than that, I'm more than that, I've gotta reach higher than that? Is it the one that says, no, I need to make money, I need to gain status, I need to make a legacy and make a name for myself? Like, which voice is me? Which one is going to be who I am? And this is not as easy as you might think. And and it reminded me of this TikTok that I saw of this woman who was like saying that she went to therapy because she had all of these inner voices in her head. And she's like, oh my gosh, I've got voices in my head. And she went to therapy and she went through a few sessions. And after a few sessions, the doctor diagnosed her with something absolutely terrible that is just pure suffering and you know what it was thoughts she diagnosed her with the the notion that yep you're definitely having thoughts like that voice in your head even that monologue now not everybody has a monologue some people think more in pictures than words but most people think in words. And so you have these thoughts and these voices, and you may think that these are all one in the same perspective, that every single thought that you have is you. But in fact, it's more complicated than that because all of these thoughts, they're not on the same team. They're not from the same perspective. And I think it's a powerful step, at least it has been for me, to realize that there are 
a there's a multi-headed monster within me because there's one part of me that really wants to just eat a whole pizza. And there's another part of me that wants to watch what I eat and count my calories and and make good decisions. Uh, There's another voice or or perspective that at times is like, hey, let's buy $3,000 worth of stuff on Etsy tonight. How about that? You know, it's self-care. And another voice that's like, hey, that's not self-care. Running up your credit card bill is not how you care for yourself. And so how do you find which voice or which perspective or which impulse is your highest self? Which is the real you that has your best interests in mind? Which one is the one to listen to? Because you need to work that out because the same voices compete when it comes to making your creative work. Like you should make this thing because it'll make you money. No, you should make this thing because it'll gain respect. You should make this thing because the critics won't have anything to say about that. Or you should not make anything at all because you can't take any feedback. You just don't think you can take that kind of a rejection. And so you have to identify which of these impulses has the best interests in mind. And as I was thinking through this idea of trying to listen to these various perspectives and make some sense of them. That kind of reminded me of that old show, that game show, The Dating Game. Have you ever seen this? It's like an old TV show. I think it's late 70s, early 80s. And essentially, typically there's a bachelorette and she has three suitors And they're on the other side of this wall. She can't see what they look like. She doesn't know their name, but she can ask them a series of questions. And then at the end, she has to pick suitor one, suitor two, or suitor three. And they had the dating game and then they had the new dating game. But I thought like, what would it look like if we had a modern version of this? If we had a modern version of this, I think the twist, the like modern twist on reality TV is this fun thing where we find not just a bachelorette, but we need to find someone with deep psychological issues like trauma. And we need to be able to film that in real time and just pick it apart and deconstruct it for all of our viewing pleasure. Like that's what most reality TV feels like to me. It's like, who can, can we find someone who is mentally ill and just tear them to shreds for our viewing pleasure? It just feels super um, complicated for me, most reality TV. But that's what I feel like would be the twist. So instead of the dating game, what if it was like, someone with all these attachment issues and codependency and we'll call it I, this I'm this is a working title but we'll call it the enmeshment game now that's kind of um psychobabbly so it we we're going to workshop it cuz I don't know if it works that well but enmeshment is this psychological term for someone who doesn't have good relational boundaries and they lose themselves in another person. They're actually, that's what they want. When they go date people, they want to lose themselves in another person. And I think everybody has different versions of this and we all have relational baggage and trauma and and what have you. So it's no, no judgment, but we have experienced either personally or other people that when they date somebody, they completely lose them their sense of self. They they take on that person's thoughts and feelings and tastes and favorite bands and preferences and they start eating the same foods as those people. Like that's what it looks like to be completely enmeshed where you lose the boundary of where you begin and they end and you just become become them. And so that that's kind of what I think the modern take would be, the enmeshment game instead of the dating game. So in this version of the dating game, instead of sitting there and listening to these voices and thinking like, which one do I want to connect with and build with and really can add something to my life and take me to places that I want to go uh, as a partner, that person is going to sit there and think, which of these voices do I want to be me? Which one do I want to hand over the keys to and give my power to and lose myself 
in and identify as, like which one is going to be me. Now, all of those ideas hopefully strike you as deeply unhealthy because it's not good to lose everything about who you are and become whoever it is you date. Of course, I feel like every person listening to this knows that that is a bad idea because you are not any of those voices. You are not any of those people that you're listening to. And I think the same is true for the voices or impulses or sides of your psyche. You're not the person you're, that's the voice that's calling you to something more. You're not the person that says you need to create an image for yourself. You're not the person that says, no, you suck. Don't try anything. If you do, they're all going to laugh at you. You're not any of those voices. You're the one listening to and navigating your way through them. Or at least that is where I have landed today. I don't think anybody can be sure about which one is you, which one isn't you. Are you the observer? Are, is one of these voices you? I don't, I don't know. But for the purposes of this episode and for sorting through it, I found that stance to be super helpful as a means of organizing all of these different impulses and figuring out which of these do I need to partner with today. And that partnering idea is a much healthier place for me. When I give my whole identity over to this person, it feels a lot like that unhealthy enmeshment that can happen if we're not careful in the way that we attach ourselves to other people. And so, Here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk a little bit about, uh, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into what these voices might be and how they work and how to identify them and then how to figure out which one might be helpful in developing your next creative project or uh, leading you through the creative project you find yourself stuck in today. Okay, so the second thing that I'm trying to do as I navigate these divisive, difficult obstacles within myself is to attempt to take a non-dual approach. And I'll explain what I mean by that. I think non-dual attitude is one of the top three core values of this podcast. In fact, just to take a tiny little tangent off to the side for a minute, if you'll allow it, because uh, I haven't done that yet. Um, <laughs> uh, just a quick little tangent. I've been thinking a lot about this show and thinking about how does the podcast work within the creative ecosystem of what I do. You know, I do a lot of different things. I make picture books. I illustrate for clients. I do talks. I do classes. I do all these different things. And thought a lot about, I thought a lot about how do I make the podcast the most useful version of itself? I get lost, uh, not lost. I get, I think a lot about the power of the medium because I have a strong feeling that TV and movies have a lot in common and the only difference between them isn't budget because a lot of money gets spent on TV these days and sometimes great movies have really low budgets like it's not that simple it's also about the viewing habits like when you sit down to watch a movie versus watching a TV show you're in a very different state desiring a different thing. It's not unlike why you might open Twitter versus why you might open Instagram. Like they are totally different mediums, even if they share some things in common. And I have that same kind of impulse as I think about podcasts versus an audiobook versus a blog versus a newsletter versus a class. Like all these different things serve very different purposes. And then even within the, the medium of podcasting, 
there is all these different types. So you have ones that are seasonal where it's like, here's 12 episodes at a time and they have a start and an end and a break and everything in between. And then they have the weekly show, which is kind of what we've done for the past nine years. And I've thought a lot about what is the purpose of having something every single week? And we always try to give ideas on this show that you can put to action, that you can do something with. And I don't think that'll change, but I do think that ultimately what those actions are doing and what those stories are doing are hopefully helping you internalize helpful values, creative values that are not easy or not always natural to creative people. And all of the values that I want to bake into this show, my intention is to only bake in values that have good information behind them, that have research and studies, not by me doing research on the internet, but connected to, you know, every time I do an episode, I try to dive into the deepest layer and figure out what is behind this thing and what do the experts in neuroscience and psychology have to say about this idea at the deepest layer. And then I try to match that with my own experience and the perfect Venn diagram is where those two things line up or maybe three things because it'll be the research, it'll be my own experience, and then it would also be examples or case studies that I can find out in culture of creators who have done things that are aspirational to me and to others. And so hopefully every episode is in the cross-section of those three things. And I don't always do a perfect job, but that's my intention. And so as I have been reviewing, like, what do I want this show to be? I want it to be stories and practices and actions that you can take that help you internalize and help me internalize and remind me as well of things that are fruitful values of creativity. And, and I had a handful, but one of the top ones is non-dual approach. And what I mean by non-dual approach is non-binary in the sense of our operating system, I think especially like our more animal nature, our lower kind of intelligence wants a yes or a no. It wants either the right thing to do is to make it up as you go or the right thing to do is to start with the end in mind and work backwards. Like those are two opposite things. But I strongly agree with this quote from Niels Bohr, who was a physicist. And he said that often the opposite of a profound truth, like a deep truth, is another profound, profound truth. truth. Because that is the tricky nature of the universe. And that might sound kind of trippy, but actually it's just kind of like seasons of the year. Early on in the show, I did an episode called Seasons. And I didn't even realize it at the time, but this was a topic, this is a topic that has been explored by tons and tons of creators over time. When I did that episode, I had a lot of people reach out and say, hey, you should check out this, or hey, you should check out that. Um, Todd Henry has a podcast episode about this on his show, Accidental Creative. Austin Cleon has done a lot of work uh, around seasons. Um, Sister Krita Kent has done a lot of work on seasons. This is not a new idea, but essentially the idea of seasons is that there are different modes that you need to be in at different points in your creative journey and in your life. So there is a time and place to be planting seeds where what you need to be all about is planting seeds. And then there are times in your life where you need to be shining on the things that are already planted. You don't need to plant anything. You just need to be shining your light on what's already in front of you. And then there are other times where you need to quit shining your light, quit growing, quit making more. You just need to harvest what's there. And then you need times where you're not doing anything at all. Okay. So this is an idea that's been explored in a bunch of different ways, both in the creative 
spheres, but then also just through time. Like this as an analogy and as a metaphor is something that it goes through cultures. And so I don't place any ownership on it, but it's a powerful example of what I mean by a non-dual approach. It's an approach that says the creative journey is a process that has different sections. It's one of the things that got me really obsessed with the hero's journey was when I realized I didn't have to just be either not living my creative destiny or living my creative destiny and reaching my creative goals, but instead that there are lots of phases in between that and uh, where you start and where you end. And then even after you live your goals, you have a whole other phases begin. And so it's a really powerful tool because when you start having a dual approach where it's either this or that, you get into this space where it's kind of like children arguing about which season is the most important, which is the best season. And sure, we all have our flavors. You know, if you're a uh, white woman Instagram, like Bo Burnham's person, you're probably all about autumn and PSL season. And, you know, if you were a Spice Girl, you were pumpkin spice. Like that's, that's who you are. We all have our flavors. I'm a summer guy. Okay. That's when my birthday is. I like it when it's hot. I don't like the cold, but I have a more evolved take, a more grown-up take than just summer's the best. I believe that we need all of the different seasons. There's a time and place for totally different energies. And the same is true in your creative practice. And and the same is true in your own psyche. And so taking a non-dual approach, what, what this looks like is understanding that each of those three voices or however many voices or uh, sides to yourself that are behind the curtain serve a purpose and have a space and time. Now, if you've listened to this show for quite a while, you probably know that I am a, a pretty big fan of Ryan Holiday. He is a guy that is a writer. He started in the marketing world and then moved kind of into the philosophical space with like pop philosophy and applied stoicism. And he's just an interesting character. I think he does a good job of being really articulate and interesting and nuanced, which is not something that most kind of internet personalities are able to pull off. And so, um, yeah, I, I, kinda, I appreciate his work. Um And I bring him up because he has a book called Ego is the Enemy. Ego is the Enemy. Now, I just want to say that I am assuming that Ryan Holiday agrees and knows that there is a reason why we have an ego. You know, there's a lot of talk in the culture about ego death. And I think there's a really good argument for why we need ego death in Western society right now. I think there's an over-representation, over-identification with ego as Americans and as Westerners. And that ego is the enemy may in fact be a great stance in a particular way where we really need to let go of the ego. In fact, in my own journey, in my own seasons of creativity, I feel like I have exited the hero's journey, a thing that we've talked about a lot on this show, um, the creative hero's journey, and entered a different phase of my creative life. And that shift, and also not vilifying the hero side or the hero phase, but embracing that that was an acceptable and and powerful moment to have and then entering into a new thing is a really useful tool. Now, uh, for a long time, the hero's journey, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey and seeing my creative practice through that lens was very powerful. But over time, I got introduced to concepts from people like Stephen Pressfield in his book, The Artist Journey. He talks about how there are there are distinct chapters where you have the hero's journey. A lot of creators have to do the hero's journey where they have to figure out what is your gift, what is your thing, and you're out there searching and looking and finding. But then once you find your thing, you enter into what he calls the the artist journey. And the artist journey is not 
going and finding out something totally different about yourself, but rather a more cyclical thing where you are showing up and doing the same thing over and over. You're showing up and you're writing songs over and over or poems or illustrations or picture books. And it kind of mirrors the tale Beowulf. I heard someone interpret this tale through this non-dual lens where Beowulf starts as this hero who is this monster slayer and he slays a monster and they crown him king and now it's time for him to be king. But instead of learning how to be in that season of life, learning how to build a kingdom and what it looks like to be at home, he can't shift archetypes. He can't shift his identity. He can't move on from the ego to a different part of himself. And he gets distracted and he gets called out and and searches out and finds another monster to slay because he can't change his habits and he can't change his priorities. And he ends up getting killed by this beast instead of learning how to be king and learning what this new phase looks like. And I feel like when I talk to creators about this concept that it's really useful because they can recognize that that groove that they got into that was so useful to the prior season of their creative journey has now become a rut, has now become a, not a habit, but an addiction. And there needs to be a shift. And I think the shift has to take place where you don't demonize the prior season, but instead embrace that it was there for a time, for a purpose, and and that that was a good thing. But now it's time to do something different. And Rob Bell, who's like a spiritual teacher, also has an episode on seasons on his podcast. And he talks about like there's a, a, a reason for a season. And I think that that mindset is really useful. And so instead of maybe thinking of ego as the enemy, it can be useful to say there's a time and a place to develop a healthy ego. The hero's journey is really about leaving home, leaving your parents' home, finding your own independence, finding your own self, identifying as the I, identifying as this is me and I need to do what's good for me and take care of me. But the next phase might look like realizing that that nucleus, that ego is really important for you to self-preserve so that you're alive long enough, not for your own benefit, but for the body, that you are you are your own cell, but you're also part of a greater whole. And the next phase might look like, how do I tap into the part of me that doesn't want to just live for myself? And I think that's what the ego is the enemy thing is getting at. Okay, so we dive... We, do, we dove really deep into uh, this notion of non-dualism. I hope it was a fun ride. I hope it didn't get too scary and weird, but it's helpful for me to kind of set the table that way because it, it it's, it's easier to over-identify with one particular impulse and your deeper self is going to reject that because it, it knows that, these different perspectives within yourself have a purpose and have a reason uh, to exist. And so when you go try to lose weight or, or get healthier, whatever it is you're trying to do, and that next voice shows up and is like, hey, what about having fun? What about connecting with people? What about like sitting around the table, breaking bread, like all that kind of stuff? Like you're really going to eliminate bread? Like breaking bread is about being human. Um, You're going to get these competing voices. And I think if you have a dual approach and you try to convince yourself like, no, you're wrong. That's the devil. Get behind me. Like you are, there's a part of you that knows that they have a point. And that's the part of you that ends up being really confused because you're like, they all have a point. I don't know which one is right. And to say, well, uh, none of them is right and all of them are right at different times helps you prioritize which is the one that you need to partner with right now. And so in the next piece of this, we're gonna talk about how to do just that. 
Okay, it's time for our creative call to adventure. That is the way we like to end these episodes where we take these bigger abstract ideas and we find ways to take action on them, either big or small. And this one is a peek behind the curtain. This is a journal prompt. You can just do it on a scrap piece of paper or in your actual journal if you're journaling type. Uh, and here's the three pieces. The first thing is brain dump, brain buckets, and then brain balance. And so brain dump. Brain dump. The first thing you got to do is when it comes to this creative endeavor that you're trying to pursue, maybe you're trying to write a book or you're trying to create a new podcast or you're trying to get into YouTube or whatever it is, or you're trying to start a shop or write an album, whatever it is, write out bullet point, just brain dump all of the competing perspectives. You know, the voice that says you really need to quit making music because everything's been done or you're past your best or whatever it is, write out all of those. Maybe there's a voice in your head that's saying you need to completely pull a uh, okay computer radiohead moment and just reinvent the wheel and not repeat yourself and, you know, start playing an instrument that you don't even know, like whatever it is. And then there's voices in your head that are saying, uh, what you need to do is be true to yourself and be true to your roots and go back to who you used to be and, and who your heroes were. And, and you need to get out of this digital age and the AI and all that stuff. Like, all of the voices, just list them all out. Every single thing that you can think, even if you don't know like, oh, they are all, they're definitely competing. Just as much nuance as you can get, just bullet point every single one that you can. Okay, when you have that brain dump, the second phase is brain buckets. Brain buckets. Now, I don't think there's ever going to be an, a fully accurate depiction of what makes up the psyche, what makes up your consciousness, who you are, because I think there is a level of abstraction that we're never going to get like, these are the pieces of this thing. It's just a little bit too fuzzy. But for the purposes of this process, um, the, the, the framework that's been helpful to me is the id, the ego, and the superego. And if my knowledge serves me. I believe this comes from uh, Sigmund Freud. And um, those are the three buckets that I'm going to suggest you use. And for the purposes of this episode, we'll say the id is kind of your animal self. It is the part of you that is instinctual and uh, pleasure-driven and anti-pain driven. It is the part of you that wants to eat Doritos and watch crazy things on the internet and whatever, right? Like that's the id. The ego is the part of you that is the I. It is the image. It is the part of you that wants to look good on Instagram. And uh, it's the part of you that wants to show up at your high school reunion and be like, look at me. Like that's the ego. Um, it's the part of you that has, that says, I need to take care of myself. I need to be my own person. That is the ego. And then you have the super ego and the super ego is maybe less known, or at least it was to me. And the super ego isn't necessarily the thing that criticizes you in terms of saying you're bad, but it's the voice in you that says you're better than that. It's the part of you that tells you that you have morals and ethics and that you need to reach your true potential. Now, part of the reason I wanted to do this episode is I wanted to do it as a little bit of a confession because I think that for the nine years that I've been doing this show, that I have been primarily identifying as the superego and probably really represent the superego in your life if you're a longtime listener. I'm not saying that I'm the voice of your superego, but just that your relationship to Creative Pep Talk is probably you leaning into your superego. It's the part of you that says you have a potential that you're not reaching. And I wanted to do this episode because I wanted to say that 
like the id, like the ego, the superego has a place and has a purpose. I actually think all three of these things are good things and you need them at all times. And you need to lean into some of them uh, at certain times more than others. And so when you're trying to boost the side of you that is your super ego, you probably are in the place where you turn to this podcast. And the only confession or the only thing that I want to add nuance to is to just say that I personally think that I have at times in my creative journey over-identified with the superego and I'm entering a stage in my life where I want to turn that voice down ever so slightly. I want to let go of some of my creative dreams because they're getting in the way of me showing up and, and being grateful for where I am and being present in the lives of the people that I care about the most. And my super ego is a side of myself that says you should push for more. You should move to a new place where you can level up. You should, you know, all those things. Now, like I said, I think in balance, that's a really powerful thing. But any one of these, if you choose to become them, identify as them, lose yourself in them, and give the power to them, that it will be like the enmeshment game. And so I'm trying to go into a season where I turn down that voice ever so slightly. And the way that I've come to that decision is this practice of listing out these things and then organizing them into those buckets. You know, the id, the things that fall in that are the things that bring you pleasure or the things that avoid pain. You know, the voices that are critical, trying to avoid the haters, all that kind of thing, put that in the id bucket. The ego will put things in that bucket that are related to status and trust. You know, there was a time and place for the hero's journey. There was a time and place where I needed to get the certificate. I needed to get the award. I needed to get the external markers of identity to help people in my culture and, and people that could collaborate with me to know that they could trust me. And so there was a season of time where I really needed to do that. And so the things that go around status and, and identity and telling people who you are and image and you know portfolio and Instagram and making everything look right and on point, like that's ego. Put the stuff there. Super ego is probably what you would identify most as a higher mind. A, a better self, the highest self. And I think that's a little bit dangerous because when you think about it as your highest self, you can identify as that thing. You can think that's the person that I want to be. I partially was inspired with this episode by a therapist named Hillary McBride, who I'm a pretty big fan of. And she has this line that I thought was just so brilliant. And she said that, a type of spiritual abuse that happens that's common in uh, Western society is where you go to your spiritual home, whether it's a synagogue or a church or whatever, and you get taught that your inner critic is the voice of God and that they, they conflate and they enmesh with that voice and say, that's the voice I'm going to be and listen to and, and bow to. And it's the voice that tells you you're never enough. You're, 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 you're far off from your potential, that you need to reject where you're at now so that you can work for who you're going to be later. And I think that for me personally, that's a voice that has been useful but has run a little bit too rampant. But the things that you put in the super ego bucket are the things that are saying, this is living my potential. This is, it might be, I think a lot of creative impulses, like the when, when you hear an artist pontificating about their art and getting romantic about it and you're falling in love with it, again, all good stuff. 
But I think that goes in the super ego. If you think about it like Rotten Tomatoes, like Rotten Tomatoes, um, there's the audience score and the critic score. The critic score is really that superego. If you find yourself over-identifying with or or the voices that you've listed out, the ones that are like really trying to please the critics, that might be your superego that says, you know, it needs to be this high level, this highest mind, this highest self. And put it in there. The third piece to this CTA is the brain balance. Brain balance. Is for you to look at these things and to not unidentify, not to throw them all out, but rather to say, which of these do I need more of right now? Which of these could help me establish the next thing that I need to be about and do in my uh, creative journey today? And here's how I am thinking about this. If we go back to the enmeshment game, you know, I said it's probably not, it's kind of psychobabbly. It's not really the best word. It's not really accessible. It's not going to, you know, light Gen Z on fire and really take off if we name the show enmeshment game. We got to find a different name for the same game. And that's fine because they're all over the world. There are different names for the same game. Like in one place, this card game might be called War, and then in another region, it's called Battle, and in another region, it's called something totally different. Like that happens all the time. In fact, I think this whole brain game and this enmeshment game is already known by a bunch of different names. In culture, we have all of these people playing these games all the time and calling them totally different names depending on where you grew up and and what you're about and where you find yourself. So depending on where you grew up, they might call the enmeshment game business. And you lose yourself into the ego of making something out of your life and identifying as success. Or maybe you grew up on the west side of the country and the enmeshment game is called Burning Man for you. And you lose yourself into the animal nature that is the id. Or maybe you grew up like me in the Midwest and the enmeshment game for some of us is called church where you lose yourself into the super ego and the highest self. But more often than not, the options on the table are ones that over-identify in a particular flavor. And maybe that's not completely a bad thing. You know, maybe the dating game uh, and, and the enmeshment game doesn't become more healthy by balancing all these things all at the same time, but maybe it's what do we need right now? And so if you're sat in that chair listening to these multiple voices behind the wall, behind the curtain, and you're thinking like, which one, not should I be, but which one do I need to date for a little while? And the person in the first chair is like this uh, party animal guy, and it's the id, and it's someone that you need to get in touch with your animal nature. You need to get in touch with fun. You need to get in touch with the fact that you have a body. Like there might be a time and place for that. Or maybe the second person that is a, is a businessman and you're like, okay, this person I could partner with and learn a thing or two about creating a name for myself and going out and achieving something. And the person in the third chair is uh, a spiritualist and a guru and somebody who is in touch with higher things and community and the greater good and something bigger than yourself. Like that's the super ego. Like there, maybe it's not that you need to do them all at the same time, but you need to figure out which one is the next season. And so as you brain dump and put them in the buckets, the next thing you got to do is pick one of these three to have a heightened focus on. Hopefully don't lose yourself in them, over-identify with them. Hopefully have a bit of a balance between these things. But as you go to make those decisions about which of these voices in those buckets do you listen to and let steer the ship in the next season of your creative practice, what you 
can do is take a look at these three buckets and say, which of these do I need space for in my creative journey today and move with that one. You take a peek behind the curtain, you take a look at who these individuals are and you say, which of these am I gonna get to know a little bit better, spend a little bit more time and do a creative project focusing in on next. Creative Pep Talk is your weekly podcast companion for your creative journey. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. I'm a New York Times bestselling picture bookmaker and illustrator for clients like Apple and Xbox. I pep talk teams at creative hubs like Warby Parker and Sesame Street. And I make this podcast because as someone with ADHD, it takes a whole lot of creativity just to get out of bed in the morning, let alone attempting to try to create a thriving creative practice. This show is just me sharing the things that seem to be helping me in case it helps anybody else. Shout out to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music and soundtrack. Huge thanks to Connor Jones of Pinning Beautiful for sound design and editing the show. Massive thanks to Katie Chandler, Ryan Appleton, and Sophie Miller for podcast assistance of all kinds. And thanks to you for listening. Until we speak again, stay pepped up.